This is PhotoBizX episode number 530 and today we are talking lead qualification with an absolute expert on the topic. In addition to that, we're also going to be covering sales because she also excels in that arena too. And the reason she is so good at both these aspects of photography business is that she has an outsourcing company where you can hire her and her team to do your lead qualification and sales and more. I'm talking about Audra Harris from Focus on Your Photos and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And I am being 100% truthful when I say I am super excited to bring this episode to you. And the reason being, it is such a hot topic, particularly inside the PhotoBizX Premium Members Facebook group. We are constantly having conversations about lead generation through Facebook ads, then qualifying those leads to get the very best clients in front of your camera, and then going on to make fantastic sales. So many photographers are good at generating leads through ads and marketing, but they do fall down or they get scared of or are no good at turning those leads into paying clients. And today's guest, Audra, is an absolute expert on those aspects of business. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. Before we do, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Caro Telfer, it was part two of a two-part series on stock libraries and how you can produce an income by submitting stock photography to stock libraries. Get back and have a listen to that one if you like the idea of submitting your photography to libraries and generating and building up a passive income, which is exactly what Caro is doing and has done with an ever-growing number of photos inside the Oz Stock Photo Library. Caro shares everything she does to get the photos that she needs to submit to the library that appeal to the stock library's clients so that she's making great sales that way. Just staying with the topic of stock library photography for just a second, I did continue my conversation with Darko Mares, who lives and is based in Croatia. He's a fantastic photographer there, has a YouTube channel, should start up a travel business as well because he was the ultimate guide when we were visiting Croatia. Anyway, he shared with me a website, a service called PictID, P-I-K-T-I-D.com, and he shared it with me following the recent interviews on stock library photography because this particular software, and I'm sure there are others like it, but this one looks incredible. What you can do is upload your photos of people and the AI software keeps the people in your photos but removes their identities by changing little things about their appearance. What this software does is allows you to use photos of people that you've taken and change their identity by making subtle changes to the way they look in the photo. So they become unrecognizable, but they still look like real people. Like it, I mean, I continue to say this AI technology is simply incredible. I'm sure you've seen it, but if you do like the idea of submitting your existing work to a stock library, 
this software could be amazing for you, particularly if you are a wedding or a portrait photographer. You want to submit those photos, but have your clients, your subjects, be unrecognizable, but still look like real people. This could be the answer for you. Have a look at it. It's called PictID, P-I-K-T-I-D.com. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Okay, we are going to jump into this interview with Audra Harris in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Audra. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news is you can access the full interview for as little as $1 if you are not a premium member and you want to check it out. There's a 30-day trial. Like I said, it's only $1. You can access the full interview with Audra today. You can get access to the full back catalogue and the full interviews with every guest and go and see what you're missing out on every single week. There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. When I interviewed Jennifer Lindbergh for episode 457 of the podcast, we heard a true success story about a business operator that went from financial trouble to building an exceptional and very profitable business. Now, in that interview, Jennifer referred a few times to her amazing staff, and in particular, one Audra Harris. Now, I had no reason to believe that Audra was not a staff member of the team, but I've since learned that she's in fact a contractor and runs a separate business called Focus On Your Photos, and she's based in the US. Now, Audra and her team are business-focused on supporting photographers by offering services to do the things we don't want to be doing in our business, from Facebook ads to calling and qualifying leads, running your reveal sessions, setting up software, and more. And judging by Jennifer's success and what she had to say about Audra, they are incredibly good at what they do. So with so many PhotoBizX members asking about outsourcing and especially lead qualification, I'm excited to learn how it all works when it comes to outsourcing to a reputable business with the runs on the board. I'm wrapped to say that Audra is with us now. Audra, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here for sure. So is that right? Is that intro, was that accurate? Is that all the things that you do for photographers to help them be successful? It was very accurate. In addition to that, we also, uh, for certain of our clients, uh, we actually do the ordering as well. So when I say, you know, our tagline for the company is focus on your photos and we'll take care of the rest. We literally have some clients that all they do are the portrait sessions. We take care of everything prior to them. We take care of everything after them. So it really is uh, depending on what your needs are and depending on what your strengths and weaknesses are. There are, you know, some artists that are out there that absolutely love talking with people and getting to the why of their portrait session. So they're great at setting the appointments. There's other artists that are uh, really solid on the ordering session portion or the reveal session or IPS, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) and uh, love doing that portion and are comfortable with the negotiation that can come with it or the quote unquote upsell that comes with it. Those types of people keep those portions themselves. Other people outsource everything to us or portions of it. It really just depends on where somebody's looking to focus on them, their own business. 
Love it. Okay, I've already got a million questions in my head here, but let's try and go in some kind of order. What is your background? Are you a photographer? Great question. I am not, unless you count winning an award when I was a junior in high school. I did win a first place award for a state contest. My uh, claim to fame was a picture of a fire hydrant. (laughs) But I am definitely not a photographer by any means. I have been in sales and marketing since I was 17 and I am in my 50s now. So whether it is doing the actual marketing themselves, meaning, you know, doing the marketing activities, the digital marketing, the way back when in the yellow pages, I even did things like that, or sales, whether I'm doing the sales, whether I'm being a leader for a sales team, I've done a little bit of everything throughout my entire career, including uh, leading sales teams of up to 100 people. Wow. That's so cool. Okay. So how did you get into the photography genre? And is that your only focus these days? Another great question, as I would expect from you. (laughs) So I actually got into the photography genre by one particular artist, and they saw my profile on a contracting website. And when they reached out to me, my initial reaction to my wife was, uh, there is no way that they're going to pay me, you know, what I value myself at, what my going rate was. Lo and behold, we had a conversation and we completely hit it off. And I started working just a few hours a week with that person. And then we started talking more and more about my background, their goals overall. And little by little, we grew a relationship where I was setting appointments full-time for them or setting portrait sessions. You know, in the business world in general, we call it appointment setting. And so then I was working full-time for them doing that. And it grew the demand that we were seeing grew so much that I ended up bringing on people to work with me. And then at that point, I took over the ordering sessions, which we used to call them reveal sessions. Uh, We started calling them ordering sessions to set the expectation that you're not only going to see the images, that's where you're going to decide what you will be ordering. And then it just continued to snowball from there. It was amazing. So to answer your question more succinctly, I got into it by chance from somebody reaching out to me. And then I realized there's this whole world here that could use a little support in order to grow their business. And again, whatever fashion they're looking to grow it, whether it means filling up their own calendar, hiring other photographers, growing to multiple locations, anything like that. Awesome. So who is in your team now? And are they all females or are they males too? So another great question. I think I'm going to stop saying that when you ask a question. Um, (laughs) We used to hire only females. And this is the reason why. I'm not biased. I'm not sexist. But the reason we used to only hire females is every single one of our callers um, that do the appointment setting or the consultants that do the ordering sessions go by the name Audra. And let me tell you why. Some of the clients that I work with laugh and call them the Audras. The whole reason we do that is we don't want the prospects to realize that they are talking to multiple people. So we don't want, you know, I'm going to make up names. These are not people that work for me. (laughs) We don't want Brittany calling them one day and then two days later, Ashley calls them. And then three days later, Audra calls them. We want the people both on the phones and in the ordering session to feel like it's one smooth process. And so we use the same name and people sometimes will say, no, there's no way they can't know it's multiple people. They don't. They have no idea whatsoever. We all like to think that we are so memorable 
that people will remember us, <laughs> but they really don't. And the people that we hire all have similar, um, what is probably an accent to you and some of your listeners, but similar voices, tones, and cadence as I do, where it's very nondescript here in the U.S. So for that reason, we used to only hire females. Now we have hired actually several males, both on the calling aspect as well as on the consultant or ordering session aspect, and they all go by the name Ryan. So multiple men go by the name Ryan, multiple females go by the name Andra. I love it. I love it. I'm assuming that your photographer clients, do they have one and only, well, I don't know. I'm not going to assume that. Do they have one and only Audra or Ryan working with them or do they have multiple Audras and Ryans? They have multiples. So every single caller that I have, or that we have, I should say, since it's not just myself that owns the company, it's also my wife, we're partners. And so every caller that we have works for every client and every ordering session person that we have works for every client as well. And the whole reason behind that is everyone has about the same caliber of expertise at the role that they're doing because we coach them up. With my background being quite focused on leadership and development, I have regular coaching sessions with all of the people that work for us. So they're all at the same caliber. That way, if we have a client, let's say that's their campaigns are not performing at the same rate as another client. It's not the caller or the ordering session person that's taking the hit. It's spread around. And the opposite is true. If somebody is just going out gangbusters, um, like we have one client that just came on and our goal was to set about 20 sessions a week. And last week we set 39. So when you have a client that's overperforming like that, you want to spread the love as well. Absolutely. I love it. So it works out that everybody works on every client. Okay. So when I was interviewing Jan Lindbergh, when she referred to Audra, it could have been you, it could have been another Audra in the business. Correct. So when she referred to Audra, when we were talking about things like process, you had asked her a few questions where it's, you know, well, how often do you contact people? And she said, you know, Audra knows that. The process type, the business behind the scenes, those are all set by myself, by the actual Audra, or the original Audra is what we started calling myself, the OG Audra, <laughs> if you will. Um, <laughs> so I set up all the business parameters, all the processes that are put in place, but who actually does the work could be one of several people, including myself. I still do get on the phones occasionally. I still do ordering sessions. The reason that I still get involved at that level is if we do have, let's say, a brand new client comes on board. I want to be the one that makes the first few phone calls because I want to see how they go. See if there's an obstacle that we're coming across that can be easily eliminated. Same thing for the ordering sessions. I want to make sure that they go smoothly so I do the first few. And also, if we have an underperforming client, I want to jump on and see if there's something that I can do to change that, that I can coach everyone to do so that it improves for everyone. Otherwise, day-to-day, it is the other Audras or Ryan's that are doing all of the day-to-day when it comes to calling and uh, also the ordering sessions. Got it, got it. Okay, so what happens, let's say I hire you to, you know, make some calls and do some lead qualification for me and you're just not having that much success and it could be something to do with the wording in my particular ad or on my landing page, but I'm going to use Jennifer as a reference point here. Let's say you also been working with Jennifer and you know that she's going extremely well with her promos. Will you give me advice to emulate what she's doing or is that kept totally separate? 
So there is a certain level of, I think they actually call it a Chinese wall, <laughs> where you don't <laughs> tell people other things that other people have going on. And there's a certain level of that that happens. It's not so much down to the wording. It's more of if I know somebody's having great success with a campaign and other people are looking for campaigns, I will ask that person, are you okay with me sharing this with others? So they have to actually give me the yes to go ahead and do that. That being said, because a majority of the people I work with are very, uh, they're very geographically located. You know, they have their one studio and this is where they are. They generally don't mind my sharing things like that. And also because of communities such as PhotoBizX, they openly share information such as that. I have worked with a few artists that say flat out, I would prefer you don't share my information or what's working well for me with other people. And that's completely fine too. I literally won't share that information because that's their, you know, that's their business intelligence. And if they want to keep that to themselves, I want to honor that. Sure. So what if I have a studio in Texas and then another photographer contacts you and says, hey, we want you to work with us as well. And I'm also in Texas. Does that work? It can. If again, it's about geographic location. So if I had a client, let's say in Dallas, and then a client in Houston contacted me, I would ask the client in Dallas, hey, are you okay with me working with somebody in Houston? And because they're not going to overlap, usually they end up saying yes. I do have some clients that say, no, I would rather you don't work with anybody within a certain, you know, a certain radius of where I am. And that's completely fine because then what we're doing, if we do take clients that are too close together, is we're competing with ourselves. And then, you know, people are getting oversaturated with the same type of information and then they don't book with anyone. So that doesn't help anyone. On the same point, if I have, like, I had a client that was in, they were in, I want to say Maine is where their studio, this was a few years ago, they were in Maine and they wanted to relocate to Texas. And so I asked the client at the time that they were going to be close to, hey, I have a client that wants to move out here. I want to tell him I'm working with somebody in the area. Are you okay with me saying that I work with someone in the area? Are you okay with me using your name? Would you rather me not say anything and let them you know, open up a studio here? I give my current clients kind of the right of refusal even though there's nothing in our contract that says that I have to do that, I think it's the right way to go for the business relationship. And also, again, so that, you know, you don't have people out there competing and doing the exact same things and oversaturating the market. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So what's the onboarding process? Let's say, uh, and I want to get into the Facebook ads and lead qualification in a minute, but let's say I want to hire you to help me with sales, calls, whatever it is. Do I tell you or do I give you my scripts or do you tell me what you know already works? So we tell you what our process is. So this is one of the items that it gets a little tricky because there's really only a few reasons to utilize outside organizations. Number one, you don't have the knowledge or it's not something that you enjoy. Number two, you don't have the time. If you have both and you have a proven method that works, you should hire somebody internally. I agree. To do the calls. You should not outsource them. If you are looking for a way to 
get off the ground or grow your business and you don't want to deal with the day-to-day, that's the reason to work with an outsourcing company, which is basically what I am. Consultants are outsourced. That's the same thing. So we have our own script that works. We plug the information in to the script that you give us that sets you apart from everyone else. Now, there's two ways to do the script. One way is the typical sales way, if you will. And I know you can't see me, but I just did air quotes. So the typical sales way where you call them up and you make nicey-nice and you ask them how their day is going and you ask them, you know, how's the weather or whatever talking point you've got going on that day, if a holiday is coming up, what their plans are. You ask them why they decided to register. What are they looking to get out of it? And then you go into some of the details. That's one way to do it. The other way is to get to the meat Just get to whatever they registered for, whatever they're going to participate in, get them all the details, see if they're interested, and then get that information out of them. So we do the calls both ways, depending on the client. What we have found is flat out, it doesn't make a difference which way you do it as far as the number of people that actually schedule their portrait sessions. The biggest difference is the amount of time it takes for you or for us in this case to be on the phone with them. So there is one of those, the misnomers in this business is you have to get to know somebody so well right from the start and tug at their heartstrings in order to get them to participate. That depends on what type of ad you have put out there for them to participate in. And it depends on what your goals are. If your goal is to keep it very high quality and very low quantity, definitely go with that first example that I gave you, where you're building that rapport right from the start. If your goal is to get a a good quantity and a good quality in, because you've got to have both. Um, I had somebody years and years ago, one of my bosses called it Q squared quality and quantity. (laughs) You want both, especially when you're, you know, when you're in this business. If you're looking for that, The second option works really well. You still go through all the details in a conversational style. However, it's not necessarily a conversation. And the difference being a conversational style, like while I'm answering your questions, I'm not looking for you to interact. I'm looking to give you the information so that then when I'm done, you can ask another question. When you're going through the script, you want to do it in a conversational style while they feel like an individual and they feel like it's special. And this is not something that, you know, you're the 30th person we've talked to today. But at the same time, you want them to hear all the information before you start to extract information from them on why it's important and what they're looking for and those sorts of things. Right. So are you looking to get that lead off the phone if they're not interested quickly rather than spending too much time with them? Exactly. One of the things that I say to all of the Audras and the Ryans is disqualification is just as important as qualification. When you disqualify somebody, they're no longer taking up space. They're no longer getting the text messages and the phone calls and the emails. Disqualifying isn't bad. It's a good thing to be able to disqualify. And it's also important to know why they're being disqualified. It's not just they said no. Did they say no because they weren't interested? They thought that they were going to get free products. They don't have any time right now. They don't have any money. Knowing those things can help you kind of shape your your postings and your ads so that you can get more qualified people. At the same time, 
you don't always want to get more qualified people. <laughs> and I know that sounds strange, but you might think putting something on there such as if I'm selected, I want to purchase prints or wall arts or digitals or the option of I'm not looking to purchase at all. You might think that's a good thing to put on a, a landing page. This is why it's not. Um, some people will put down that they're not looking to purchase anything because most people don't like being sold. If you disqualify them based upon that, it doesn't mean they weren't going to purchase anything. It means they didn't want to be sold. So you're almost disqualifying somebody that has potential as opposed to talking with them, getting them to fall in love with what you do, and then they turn around and purchase. Um, I have a little side note on that that I want to put in there too. When we talk about disqualifying people, it's not who scheduled a phone call with us and who did not. There's been a few podcasts that I've heard where people don't call unless somebody schedules a phone call with them. They'll get a text or an email saying, hey, click here to schedule a call. I strongly advise calling every single lead that comes through any of your ads, regardless of what their answers are. You've already paid for the lead. Just because they haven't taken the time to schedule a call doesn't mean they're not interested. With our scheduled calls versus our unscheduled calls, because we call everyone, um, our unscheduled calls have just as likely a chance of booking a portrait session as our scheduled calls. Say that again, your... <laughs> say it again. So I, I know, even as I was saying it, I'm like, did I say that right? Our unscheduled calls, meaning somebody didn't set an appointment with us, but we're calling them anyway. Right. So you have their phone number, but they haven't scheduled a call because they added their phone number to the landing page. Exactly. Exactly. So we have their contact information, but they haven't actually scheduled a time or told us a time range to talk. So we call them, we contact them anyway. And the unscheduled calls, which are people that have not scheduled a time to talk, they are just as likely to book a portrait session as our scheduled calls, which are the people who did tell us when to call. That's so cool. That is interesting. Okay, let me just take you back one sec, Audrey, because you know you said it's the worst idea or worst thing is to have on there, you know, the option of whether they're going to buy Walla, an album, or not interested. Are you saying we shouldn't have that question or we should have that question but still call the people that don't want to buy anything? So either. Um, not having that question kind of takes it out of their minds that this is a sales call. Having that question can help you prioritize who to call. If somebody says, I'm really looking for wall art or I'm really looking for prints, call those people first, but still call everyone else. Got it. Got it. You're already paying for them. And I have another little side note on that. Go for it. <laughs> um, one of the podcasts, actually a few of the podcasts that I listened to, um, they were talking about, I call people twice and if they don't answer, I move on. That is one way to do it. However, the way that we do it as a company and the way that I suggest people doing it is multiple points of contact. We contact people as a company. I contact people 13 times, <laughs> whether it's via text, email, or phone call over six weeks. So it's wow. not every few days they're getting a call from us. It's a variety. And they have the option to either click on a link to schedule a call. That's a very popular way to do it. Or they can reply back to my text message. Tell me a time that I can call them. 
we have to remember that being in a service industry, which this is, we're helping people in the public, you want to work with what works for that person, not what we have laid out as our process. So if somebody gets a text and it in the text it says, click on here to schedule a phone call, they also have the option just to tell us, hey, can you call me tomorrow between 11 and 3? Perfect. I'll call you then. You want to be somewhat flexible in your process so that it works for whoever you're talking to, not they fit within your process. Yes. Okay. So one of the, one of the biggest questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, I hear so often from photographers that people just don't want to talk on the phone anymore, but you make a living out of getting people on the phone. So like you just said, you have 13 tries at getting someone on the phone somehow. That's incredible. Exactly. Exactly. And some people don't want to talk on the phone. And I get that. When we explain to them um, and we get people, can you text me instead? You know, when we're contacting them, I explain to them, we've already sent you all the information. You saw it on the registration page. You saw it in the first text that you got because we send out a recap of the entire project, whatever the project might be in a text. The next step is to talk with us on the phone. So just let us know when you're ready to talk on the phone. If they come back and say, well, I don't want to talk to you on the phone, and it does happen sometimes, I explain to them, our process is to talk on the phone. We want to be sure that you get all the details. We want to be sure to answer any questions from you. And to schedule your portrait session, there's a few pieces of information that we need about who's going to be participating. And we also want to collect the, you know, X deposit, whether it's whatever you've determined is the deposit amount. Sometimes those people that don't want to talk, they're just, uh, you know, in the car business, we call it tire kickers. They're just trying to see, you know, what's going on. They're not really interested. And they'll disqualify themselves by that point. Other people will go ahead and schedule a time at that point because they know they're not going to be able to move forward until they talk with somebody. And we want to talk with them when they're available, which means nights and weekends sometimes. So even though we are professional studios or we're representing professional studios and we're representing ourselves as working directly for you. So we're not representing ourselves as focus on your photos. You know, we're actually saying we work for XYZ studios. We do offer, depending on where they're located in the U.S., depending on where they're located in the U.S., we offer evening hours that we can talk and Saturday hours that we can talk. We do not do Sunday hours. We used to, and we just found it was a a terrible time to actually get in contact with people. And I will point out too, while I'm talking about hours randomly, that Saturdays you would think would be one of the best times to get in touch with people. And it is actually the worst time. Uh, We have the lowest percentage of answer rates on Saturdays for people who scheduled calls. <laughs> right, because they're out doing stuff. <laughs> they're out doing stuff. They're busy with their families. And it sounds yeah. like a great time because, you know, they might work Monday through Friday. But yeah, the Saturday phone calls are the worst. And uh, that's why we alternate the Audras and the Ryan that works them because nobody actually wants to work on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> well, who would want to if your stats are so low anyway? You're not going to get exactly. good results. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So look, that brings me to the question about pricing. So if I'm a studio owner and I want to work with you, how do I get charged? Is it per client? Is it per call? Is it by the hour? So um, I almost said great question. Um, with that, 
we charge by appointment. So I worked at an organization years ago and it was paid by performance only. The company was paid by performance. The employees were paid by performance. And to me, it really leveled the playing field. You could no longer say um, anything about, well, so-and-so is doing well because of this and so-and-so is doing well because of this and they're making more money because of this. Paying by performance literally means we get paid for what we do. So with that, we get paid from the appointment setting standpoint by only the number of portrait sessions or appointments that we set. You don't get charged hourly or by phone call or by lead, anything like that. Um, On the ordering sessions, it is a percentage of sales or we default to an hourly amount If the sale is too low or there's a no sale, because there are always going to be no sales, especially when you start marketing to the public, there's going to be no sales. So those are the two ways. I have heard some people, and I've seen, because I'm on PhotoBizX myself, as you can imagine, I'm just kind of stalking and lurking in the background. I don't (laughs) post. Um, I have heard somebody say, that's outrageous to, you know, charge X amount per appointment. The thing to keep in mind with that is if you hire somebody hourly to come in-house and make phone calls for you and answer texts and answer emails and everything else, you're paying them hourly and then you're paying them, let's say, a commission for every appointment you set, it truly does even out for the most part. Um, One of the clients that I work with quite a bit now, he actually had somebody that was calling for one of his studios and then he started up with us for another. And we did a, some people call it A-B testing. I actually call it bake-off because that's what they call it in sales when you pit one company against another is a bake-off, like it's a, you know, a cake or a cupcake contest. And their person that he was using for his one studio, she was amazing. She's just the nicest, sweetest person. She still is. We switched. So I started calling her leads uh, for a specific quantity. I think he gave us each 150 leads. She started calling mine and they were the exact same results. The difference being, I don't know how much he was paying her, per hour or per appointment. But with us, he only pays us if it works. So there's no financial risk to him to utilize us. Now, obviously, there's an investment for the leads and everything else. But because he only pays us when we set appointments, it's easier to justify outsourcing it because you're not paying me hourly. Sure. Absolutely. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. So do you then see some campaigns because you're getting paid by booking the session, do you see some campaigns you think, well, this is, this is rubbish. This is, this is going to be no good for us because we're not going to get any bookings. So it does happen. There are some tried and true campaigns. And a majority of the people that I work with do use Bernie's style of wanted campaigns. They're not all his clients, but a majority of the people that I work with utilize those campaigns. Now, with that, there are always the tried and trues that do better than any others. The mother and children, the senior dogs and their humans, those are two of the strongest ones. There's the mother-daughter. There's a lot of variations to those. And there have been some that some people try that I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? Like, you're segmenting it just a little too much. I don't know how much we're going to get out of it. And But some of them have been great, and then others have not been. What I recommend in that case to the people that I work with, to my clients, my artists, is I love it when people try new things because you never know what's going to grasp an audience. That being said, keep something going that's a tried and true during that time too. 
So you don't go from giving us, you know, as an example, giving us 400 leads one week and the next week we get 30. You want to keep it, you know, consistent so that the leads are constantly flowing in because that's going to cause a lull in your business as well as ours. Absolutely. So from your side of things, is a lead a lead? Like it doesn't matter what type of campaign they came from. A lead is a lead. As long as you're getting the leads, you can convert them. Yes, depending on the lead, obviously. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. So what's the difference between a good lead and a bad? Like, Does your Ryan or your Audra, Audras sit down and think, oh, these are going to be a shitty bunch of leads or these are going to be great <laughs> leads? Do they know before? There is no way to tell before. Right. And this goes back to the disqualification. I have had some artists try to take it down to, okay, this person lives in an apartment. I'm not going to call them. <laughs> or this person listens to country music. I'm not going to call them. You don't want to do any of that. So a lead is a lead is a lead to us. We don't know until we go through and actually call a large quantity. Now, if we get 200 leads and we are not booking them, I'll go back to the artist and say, hey, this particular campaign isn't working. Did you change something on your demographics? Did you change something on, you know, how many images did you use to try to see which image is going to be the best? What is different on this one than it was on the last campaign that we did? And this is something when I bring on new clients, you had asked briefly about the onboarding process. When I bring on new clients, it sometimes takes a little while to get the quantities of leads coming in, but also the quality of leads coming in. So we'll work together in order to get that with obviously not changing it up too frequently because as we all know, Facebook is finicky. So you don't want to change it up too often, but you definitely want to make the little tweaks that are going to be more profitable for both sides. Absolutely. So have you got an example or can you think of a time or an example where the leads were no good? Like you just kept ring, like, and what was the reason for that? Is there anything that you can think of in the past where that's happened? It has happened. And sometimes it is with clients. So I have worked with some immensely talented individuals, some you have interviewed, that my process and the way that we do things did not work out for them. And it is, it could be their location. It could be what their offering was. It could be they simply didn't like our process. The leads didn't. You don't know what the reason is all of the time, but there have been times where it just hasn't worked and there's nothing, you know, we try to work it out, figure out, okay, how can we work together? But occasionally it just doesn't work out and we part ways and that's okay. Right. So that means what sounds like what you're saying is you could have exactly the same process for 50 clients and then another client comes along 51 and the process just doesn't work for them for whatever reason. Exactly. And it does happen. And that's one of the reasons. So the contract that I have artists sign, um, they are not under a contractual period at all. They can cancel with any 30 days notice, as can we. And the reason for that is if they keep wanting to try and wanting to try, remember, they don't pay us unless we schedule appointments for them. So, uh, well, number one, if they are not flexible as far as working within our process, which does happen sometimes, then it's not going to be a fit. Number two, if we have tried everything we can think of and it's still not working, then we want to part ways and we want it to be amicable. 
I'm out the money on my side because I pay my people. They're out the money on their side because of the leads. But if it's not going to work, there's no reason to drag it on, which is why there's not, you know, our contract isn't for a one-year period of time or anything like that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. So does the photographer who hires you, the artist, do they see your script? Do they know what you're saying to their potential clients? They do not. There is a huge level of trust. There's a level of trust on my side to them that they are not also calling the leads because in the contract it says once a lead is ours, we're the only ones who are able to call it. Because again, we're paid by performance. So we don't want to cultivate the lead and then for them to book the session and then we don't get paid. So there's a level of trust there. There's also a level of trust that they are comfortable with knowing that we are representing them in a fair and accurate manner. With that, I tell them the bullet points of what we cover. It's basically all of the information they would need to get, a prospect would need to get, you know, where the studio is located, how they're different from other studios, what dates the sessions are, if it's for a limited time only, or if it's, you know, open for the next 90 days, what their lowest price product is, what the average investment is, because that's very important for people to know, and then what the next steps are and what the deposit is. We want to be completely transparent about everything during that initial phone call, including to the point where we actually say, have you taken a look at our website? If they say yes, then we say great. Then you know that our products or our collections, depending on the artist, we use either. Um, our collections start at X amount prior to your credit. And the average person you know, spends about X, even though there's no obligation to buy. We want them to know what the average is so that they're not shell-shocked when they find out what the collection's average. Now, if they do say, no, I haven't, then we stop and we say, we strongly recommend you take a look at our website because there you can see the types of artists that we are. Every artist is completely different. We want you to know the type of artist that we are. Also, be sure you take a look at our artwork page or our investment page or whatever they happen to call it so that you know the different types of collections we offer and the starting price. The starting price is $495, let's say, and the average person spends about $2,200. So go take a look at that and then we'll get back on the phone and we can get you scheduled for your session. Mm -hmm. I like so, that. Yeah, we want them to pause. Right. Okay, so I want to ask you a little bit more about the sales process in just a second. But so for the photographer who is looking to hire you guys, what is the investment they make? Like how much do I pay you to get a booking for me? So it depends on which, remember I mentioned the two different scripts that we can use. The um, I call it the nicey-nicey. Of course, we're nice on all of them. But, you know, the make nice and friendly upfront or the project-based, we'll call it. So if you do the nicey-nicey, it is $150 an appointment, and that's U.S. If you do the more direct approach, which again, still nice, but more direct, talking about the project specifically first, then it's $125 a session. With that, when you sign your contract, we do take a $500 retainer to begin with. That $500 retainer actually includes your first two sessions. The reason I started doing this is we were having people that would contact me and I go through I go through my own qualification call to see if it's a good fit because sometimes it's not depending on where they're at 
in their process or what they're looking to do. Sometimes that qualification for us working with them as two organizations doesn't fit. But what was happening too frequently is people would say, yes, I'm all in. And then I would spend three or four hours working with them to get them up and going. And then they would never start. Right. There would be you know, one reason or another that they don't. So it was my time that was going down the drain, if you will. So we take a $500 retainer and that includes getting them up and going when it comes to the appointment setting. So with that, we do offer other services. You had mentioned a few at the beginning when you did the intro. One of them is actually setting up the systems. So my brain, I always... I believe is a little different than most salespeople. <laughs> most salespeople are not detail oriented. They want to do the sale. They want to move on. The admin stuff is not something they like. They don't like the process and so forth. I love all of that. So <laughs> if you want me to go in and set up your entire process, start to finish, whether it is Acuity, Calendly, Stripe, Square, Whatever CRM you use, as long as it can be integrated either via Zapier or Make, I can do it. So if you are starting out and you want to have all of those in place so that it does the automatic emails and you can bill through the system and you can do all that, I can set that up for you. It's not always necessary to do all of that. I have one of my clients who on average, we book between 50 and 75 appointments a week does not have any of that set up. They use Google Sheets and I put it into my contact system because we use my contact system and they have reminders that go out. That's it. So it's not always necessary to spend all the time doing all of these integrations. It's just a matter of what level do you want it automated. Right. So if I'm working with you and I have Studio Ninja or Tave or whatever CRM I'm running, as long as it integrates with Zapier so I can send my leads from Facebook or wherever they're coming from to your system, then we can partner. Exactly. Easy. Okay. That's great. Exactly. Another side note, I have those as you've noticed, I mentioned US dollars. So 125 or 150 US dollars. We do have clients internationally. And we worked with a client in the UK, we've worked in Australia, we've got uh, two in Canada. So it doesn't have to be US-based only, as long as the time zone works out. Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't have anybody that works overnight. So as long as the time zone works out, we can work internationally. There you do run into them realizing we're American. So I always like to point that out. If we get called out on it a lot, we feel like that's the reason people aren't booking, we might part ways because I don't want to do that to you. We don't want to burn through your leads. I had an amazingly talented and just the sweetest client in Australia. And at the time, it just wasn't working out because of the accent, we believe. God, okay. And the reason I asked you about the pricing as well, and it was great to hear about your $500 upfront fee, it's a little bit like the non-refundable session fee that a lot of photographers are charging to make sure that clients turn up to an actual session, which you would obviously hear about too, wouldn't you, at your end? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So with our sessions and which, with our fees, um, to expand on that, we don't guarantee they're going to show up. We guarantee that they have booked the session. If they cancel within 72 hours, we consider that to be buyer's remorse and we don't invoice for that. So they don't get billed for somebody who cancels within 72 hours because the expectation is if somebody cancels within 72 hours, most likely the artist is going to refund them as well. Now, if anybody cancels after that 72 hours and the artist decides to refund their deposit, 
that's the artist's decision, but we still bill for that. Sure, that's fine. That makes total sense. What if the artist does charge a $100, for example, refundable session fee? Do you collect that for the artist or is that up to me to collect? We do. So we do everything at the same time. We book the session and we collect the deposit. It is not booked until the deposit is collected. So with that, we have you know certain requirements, like the booking process has to be at the same as the calendar process. So for instance, Acuity, you can use Stripe in Acuity at the same time to collect the deposits. And I believe it's the same for a few other. Calendly, you can use Stripe, you can use Squarespace. It really just depends on how, as long as it's one process. We won't book it on one page and then bill it on another type of system. It has to be all integrated together. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Audra, let me take you into the actual sales process because what is it that makes you guys so good at making these bookings? And photographers, a lot of photographers, terrible at it. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Awesome. Audra, amazing. This has been so good. I know the feedback is going to be fantastic. I know there's going to be a bunch of follow-up questions, so you won't be able to hide inside the group anymore. <laughs> I'll try not to hide anymore. I'll answer questions. I promise. I won't be that person who just ignores them. <laughs> well, I think they're going to be tagging you and hitting you up for answers. This was amazing. Look, again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing everything you did. That was incredible. And I'm looking forward, honestly, to recording a follow-up in the future. I really am. Well, I'm here for you. You let me know when it works into your uh, busy vacation schedule there. I'm around. <laughs> oh, jeez. Way, way to stick the knife in at the very end. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm jealous. I am, I am, well, I should say envious. I still want it for you, but I also want it for myself. So I'm envious, yes. <laughs> well, it's funny. Say, I mean, I'm sitting here in a little Airbnb in uh, Ljubljana in Slovenia, about to go and meet Linda and my mum for dinner. So uh, it is very, very cool. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, really nice. So you enjoy the rest of your day. I know you're sitting there in your PJs. Uh, it's early in the morning for you. I am. Um, you go and uh, kick your day off and I'll go and finish mine. And again, massive thanks for coming on and sharing everything you did, Audrey. You're welcome. It was wonderful speaking with you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Audra as much as I did. Audra, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. Simply amazing. What a business. What a service. Just incredible. Again, thank you so much. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Audra had to share. If you do want to follow up with her, I've got links to anything and everything that she mentioned, in particular where you can find her online at focusonyourphotos.com. There are links to all those things in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 530. And of course, if you are a premium member, as you heard in the interview, Audra is already a member of our fantastic group and you can reach out to her there. Tag her in any questions or comments you might have regarding today's episode. Now, you may also be interested to know I have been emailing Audra. We've been emailing backwards and forwards. I would love to have her present a course or courses on the things that we covered today so that you can improve your lead qualification, your sales, if you don't want to outsource those tasks. So let me know if that is something that would interest you because I may need to twist Audra's arm a little bit to get her to say yes and agree to this. But to me, it sounds like a no-brainer for photographers if we can get Audra 
to come on and present a course or two on both lead qualification and sales. Either way, if you do have a follow-up question or a comment regarding today's episode, you can do that inside the members' Facebook group, or you can shoot me a private email. It's andrew at photobizx.com. And of course, you can reach out to Audra directly if you want to hire her and her team to go into bat for you and your business. I have one big shout out for today's episode and this one goes to San Antonio headshot photographer Ashley Ball in the USA and she left a beautiful review inside Apple Podcasts on August 28th. She says, and I'll abbreviate this a little bit, that she can't recommend the PhotoBizX podcast enough for anyone in photography business. She says that it's become her indispensable tool in her entrepreneurial journey. And I love that she goes on to say that she's been a professional photographer for seven years. She moved across the country, had to start her business all over again last year. She went in search of a photography podcast, found PhotoBizX, and says, later in her review that she's one year into her new business in the new location and any time I hit a stumbling block I go through the vast library of episodes and can find something helpful. I'm also impressed she says that the people who come on as guests are accessible and willing to help inside the members Facebook group. Just amazing. Thank you so much Ashley for taking the time. I did abbreviate your lovely review but I do appreciate every word that you put in there. So massive thanks again to you. And for you, the listener, if you haven't left a review, an honest review for the PhotoBizX podcast, I would love for you to do that. You can go to photobizx.com forward slash iTunes or photobizx.com forward slash Google. Leave an honest review in either of those places. Let me know you've done that and I will add a link to your website to help you with your SEO. And not only will I add a link, I'll use a keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for as the anchor text to again help you with your SEO. So simply leave an honest review, let me know you've done that. Let me know the link that you would like me to link to with the anchor text you'd like me to use for that link and I'll happily add that to the show notes from the photobizx.com website. Again, massive thanks to you, Ashley, for doing all that this week. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I am here in a little town or village called Kilconka. In Scotland, it's on the northeast coast or the mid-eastern coast of Scotland. I'm here with Linda and her family. She was surprised beautifully by a couple of her cousins that turned up last night over drinks. We have a couple of nights here. It's a bit of a whirlwind trip to Scotland this time around. But the sun is shining unbelievably. I didn't know that was possible here in Scotland. And the temperatures are going to be in the mid 20 celsius which is again just incredible for this time of year i'm sitting here in a little nook inside the bedroom i have pillows all around me trying to make the sound somewhat better and not so echoey i'm going to get this edited out to you and then we're off for a coastal walk in what's looking like a sunny but very windy day ahead Alrighty, that really is it for me have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world and i will talk to you soon bye for now enjoyed this episode head to photobizx.com join the conversation leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with andrew and today's special guest 